When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Joseph L. Flatley, and you are listening to Failed State Update. I am recording this on January 17th, 2021. That would be, I don't know, week and a half after the uh, Capitol riots or insurrection or whatever the hell you want to call it. And uh, approximately four days after the second, record-breaking second impeachment of President Donald J. Trump. Donald John Trump. And for this episode, I'm going to do it in two parts. Right before the Capitol shit hit the fan, I had recorded a conversation with friend of the show and outstanding journalist and author and all-around great guy, Mark Jacobson. According to his bio on the Penguin Random House website, Mark Jacobson is a writer and journalist based in Brooklyn, New York. He is known for his explorations of the seamy side of urban life and for his offbeat and witty take on popular culture. Mark is a contributing editor at New York Magazine and a frequent contributor to The Village Voice, National Geographic, Natural History Magazine, Men's Journal, and other publications. Apparently this was written when uh, The Village Voice existed. I got to know Mark because he did a great book on uh, William Cooper called Pale Horse Rider, and I think... If you don't know who Bill Cooper is, you're going to find out. But basically, he was kind of like a radio conspiracy journalist, kind of more serious and angrier than Art Bell, more intellectual and heady than Alex Jones. And he hated Alex Jones because uh, Alex Jones basically ripped off his shtick, dumbed it down, and turned it into real money. William Cooper died in 2001 but not before creating this like amazing kind of alternate reality, alternate way of looking at the world that has influenced everyone from far right-wing conspiracy theorists to hip-hop artists. So yeah, so I, I spoke to him. Mark's book came out on Cooper came out in 2018. And after it came out, I spoke to him about the book for my short-lived and criminally underheard podcast bad ideas department that was on ocelli.com for the first part of this two-part episode i'm going to replay my interview with uh mark from 2018 or so and then part two is going to be a conversation we had a couple weeks ago where we well what kicked it off was a conversation we were kind of having over social media about mel lyman who was a cult leader in the 60s and kind of got into acid fascism cults and you know conversation just seems relevant today with uh, the 45 cult having done so much damage in the White House. So we just kind of, the conversation just kind of spiraled out of control from there. Um, but I think you'll enjoy it, so so definitely stick around for part two. 
But before that, here is part one of my conversation with Mark Jacobson. Oh, you know, one of the reviews I read um, might have been the Kirkus review. It was like basically saying that since you didn't like interrogate Cooper's claims enough that it was somehow like pro-conspiracy or dangerous somehow. And I just thought it was really absurd. (laughs) Well, thanks for missing the point. (laughs) I mean, it doesn't matter what you think of these ideas. I mean, you know, that's maybe that matters to some people. I mean, and some of them are far more interesting than others. I mean, it's like conspiracy is like anything else. There's good conspiracy and bad conspiracy, like there's good comedies and bad comedies. But, uh, you know, and I mean, it was just a study, it was a character study of a guy who was, um, to me, kind of had a parallel life to the way the world was going, you know, in a, in a strange way, you know, the American, the American Republic. For a month, for a real fleeting moment, was uh, on the same wavelength as William Cooper. You know, or he was on the same wavelength as America, and he saw something that, the, like, some people that would write a review like that. I remember, I happen to remember that review actually. There were several like that. So, like, you know, because it's so stupid. People are so stupid now. I mean, like, uh, I don't know if you're a Trump voter or not, but he tends to bring out the worst in everybody. So this simplistic thinking is like, uh, you know, and and I, it's been kind of fascinating to me how the so-called left, which I don't, I don't know if that even exists, but I mean, the so-called left uh, has as many conspiracy theories as the right, you know? <laughs> You know, and they just never, you know, was all considered to be like, you know, this was the, the standard knowledge. But I mean, what is, I mean, climate change is definitely a real thing, but it's really kind of the way it's been handled. It's just sort of like the book of Revelation for people that don't believe in the book of Revelation. You know, you know, it's like that kind of, uh, you know, everybody has to have an apocalyptic story. And this is the, this is the one. So, you know, I don't, I don't know. This, I just feel like people... People were just not looking at their what's. They're just looking at ideas and words and stuff like that, and not really interested in the way people actually think. You know. Yeah, I mean, I definitely kind of like going back to that review. It seemed to kind of like the underlying message to me of that review, and this is something I see a lot in like Twitter and social media and people, you know, with capital I ideas. It's that like Bill Cooper's craziest ideas are not dangerous or you know or bad ideas because they're wrong they're bad ideas because they you know will inflict damage on the democratic party (laughs) it's possible well yeah i mean that's the dumbest version of it you know i mean like uh he's a person that was really an extremist like his entire life you know to me but i mean a lot of people are like that you know he just sort of carried it through to the you know the end degree which made him interesting enough to write up for me to write a book about you know if an adult can't read a book and that says you know that we have slave colonies on the moon or something and make their own decision like can't be trusted to make their own decision as to whether or not that's true like why are you even reading a book well also i mean you know when john lear tells you that 
he that there are like a half a billion people living on the moon and he looks i mean i was in his house when he's telling me this right so like i'm saying well how come like nobody else knows this (laughs) i mean but what do i care i mean you know he's an entertaining guy he's uh you know, and he'll be the first to tell you that, 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 you know, it's all a hypothesis, you know, it doesn't mean it's really true. I mean, you know, and, and, and what is, and what is the, uh, like in the UFO world, uh, you know, who's supposedly the standard of truth in that particular venue? I mean, you know, <laughs> what's the conventional wisdom about UFOs? I mean, there isn't any. So, I mean, everybody's got their own ideas, you know, and some are more interesting than others. But, um, you know, how can you take a steadfast, you know, two and two is four all the time, right? Uh, you know, and when you think, when you when you believe that UFOs, and I believe in UFOs, but it doesn't mean that, you know, I, I have to be, I have to, uh, I'm not going to be able to prove it. Nobody's going to be able to prove it until they actually crash into the White House or whatever they do, you know, and everybody sees it. I mean, you know. It's like, I don't know. I mean, I just feel that people, why don't people, aren't, why aren't people allowed to use their imagination? So was, was ufology Bill Cooper's first kind of foray into this alternative yeah, media well, world? I mean, like, well, Cooper, um, I mean, how I got interested in him is a, kind of a long story. But, I mean, the thing with, with him is, uh, you know, he's basically from a military family, moves around. Um, his His mom is like, this great hero in his life, you know, she's the best person on earth. His father, he hates him, you know, because he's, and I think Bill Cooper was kind of a fuck up because he was from a military family and they're all, they're all officers. Every single one of them is an officer and, you know, and the, and, and then eventually became officers in the army air corps. His father was a, a light, what they call a light colonel, lieutenant colonel. And, uh, you know, he, uh, but he went in as, a, as an enlisted man, which I always wondered about. I never really could track it down, like why a guy from a family of all officers didn't go, didn't become an officer. Now, I, I don't know what that is, but he uh, winds up uh, enlisting in, in the, because uh, he wanted to be in the Navy, because he wanted to be in the Navy. I don't really know why, but he wanted to be in the Navy, and uh, but he got seasick, so he couldn't be in the Navy, so he went in the Air Force, and the first thing they do, at least according to him, um, is put him out, uh, watch, he's, he's like more or less cleaning the atom bombs. <laughs> you know? He's, 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 uh, so he's got this, he writes about this in Behold the Pale Horse uh, very effectively, I think. I mean, he's a really good writer. I mean, he's a smart, Bill Cooper is a very smart guy. I mean, and he is just, uh, I'm often, I mean, and you hear it on the radio show a lot, that he has a certain kind of insight into things that is really far and away, you know, if you want to put him up against any of these so-called competitors, you know, he's just completely in light years ahead of these people. So um, the... um, so you got this kind of apocalyptic thing, you know, going on because he's constantly can't get away from these atom bombs, you know, like the things that are going to blow up the entire earth, you know? So he's got this existential problem about that, that he write, writes about, and it's pretty moving, you know? And um, then he finally gets in the Navy and he wants to fight in the Vietnam War. So, because that's what's going on then. So Cooper goes in there and he's a gung-ho guy. And then when he gets sent to the front, 
and becomes a, a PT cap, PT boat captain, he begins to notice that, well, things aren't quite the way they presented them, you know, back in the back over on state side, you know, and we're not really fighting for freedom. We're here and we're basically, um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not putting words in his mouth. I mean, he says it. I mean, um, you know, we're here like to subjugate these people and this is their home, not ours, you know, and like then uh, he basically becomes this Vietnam War veteran against the war. And this shatters his whole worldview. And he begins to understand that, like, well, you know, if the commanding officer, you're from a military family, and and the commanding officer who would be uh, identified with your father, you realize that everything they're telling you is a lie. This is a shattering uh, experience, you know, that would that probably uh, inform the rest of his life. And he gets out of the war, and he's got this, you know, nasty case of PTSD. And I have the documentation. So he was in the he was in the VA uh, hospital for this on two, at least two occasions because I've got I've got two different uh, two different times he was in that, that I got the records for. So who knows how many times he was in? And he was an outpatient for a long time as well. And uh, and you know this is something that it's not really here nor there because a lot of people are in this situation, you know. Uh, they go to war and they don't take to it that well, especially these He-Man type guys, you know? So um, you think you're clean as wood and then you turn out, well, actually you're not, you know, it's, it's scary and it's horrifying and you killed somebody and they're trying to kill you. And it's just, it shakes you up forever. And, you know, so then he got back and he tried to live a normal life, but it wasn't working out. And he had, he had at least five wives. I mean, there may be more, but I was able to track down five different marriages that he had. Bill Cooper's dream was to be a normal, regular family man in the American sense, sort of a leave it to beaver kind of existence that never really, that he never really was able to live when it was actually happening. He was trying to recreate this whole thing. And, um, you know, and then he got interested in, well, he be, he sort of there's a dark period in the 1980s where he works for a bunch of colleges and he's trying to make a living. That always he's always pressed for money. That's very important to know because he's constantly hard up for money. He doesn't have any. He's living in trailers and all kinds of stuff like that. And um, that I know that I know for sure because I spoke to a couple of his wives. So um, and he's a drunk. He's definitely a drunk. He beats up his wives. They all leave him, um, at least according to them. I mean, I'm sure that uh, people on the Internet will argue with you for the rest of your life, telling you that he was really a wonderful guy. But his ex-wives seem to not believe that. So, you know, so, uh, you know, I don't know. You just got to go with the fact, go with what you hear. I'm not saying what's is true or not. I'm just telling you what I heard. So, um, and then the, the, the saucer thing he breaks into the, I mean, what happens basically is in the late 1980s, the flying saucer business, you know, like it was a huge, I mean, um, anybody who's interested in this stuff knows the history of like UFOs. I mean, after in the late 1940s and all through the 1950s and when they made all those flying saucer movies and everything like that, um, that is a huge deal. I mean, that's a huge deal, flying saucers. And then the, then the saucer thing kind of falls off the map 
one of the main dichotomies of, of people that are interested in flying saucers is like the question is, are the people from outer space, are they good guys or are they bad guys? It's kind of like about what you, what you, your view of your view of the unknown is, is the unknown good or bad? So Cooper is like a paranoid guy by now. And, um, you know, for, for all kinds of reasons. And, um, well, Cooper falls in with with the with what they call the dark side of UFO stuff. So the the light, the idea of the light, these kind of spiritual masters, you know, the whole channeling thing and all that stuff like that. Those are the risen masters that mostly mostly kind of cribbed out of like Madame Blavatsky's ideas. Those things are basically kind of like picked up from Theosophy and stuff like that. That there are these risen masters and they're going to help us out and they're from outer space and you know whatever you you know I don't know I'm not trying to make fun of it it's just something that people believe and and then there's the other people who believe that you know that whole, that whole basic you know the biggest articulation of it is in X Files more or less I mean X Files is the popularization of all these nasty alien stories um, the the idea of like you know, they're, they've infiltrated the government. That's the reason why Kennedy was killed, because he was going to blow the lid on the uh, UFO thing. Well, Cooper and his his guys, the people around him, were very uh, instrumental in creating that that whole X-Files scenario. Um, in fact, it, he, Cooper was very angry at, at this guy, Chris Carter, the guy who created X-Files, because he totally ripped him off. And in fact, I talked to Chris Carter, and he admitted that he ripped off Cooper. <laughs> He said, "Oh yeah, I, I read that. <laughs> but, you that know, was great." You know? <laughs> if, if if Cooper is just you know revealing our history, you know he didn't really rip Cooper off. Well, I mean, if it's a fact, yeah, that's one thing. <laughs> but I think I'd like to see the proof myself personally, you know. But uh, before I'm going to buy into the, all, a lot of that kind of stuff, it doesn't mean I don't believe it. I'm just sort of agnostic about it, yeah. So um, you know, and and he does this. He comes in and he be, he's really a great salesman, Cooper. I mean, he's he's very compelling. If you, if you watch that speech that he gives at the MUFON convention in 1989, which is available online, it's very easy to get. It's kind of a, not a very good uh, image. You know, it's kind of washed out. But it's a fucking great speech. I mean, you know, he's just like, it's it's probably his best, uh, his most forceful speech, and he makes the big case about how the aliens are the trigger, the U.S. government is in league with the aliens, and all that kind of stuff that a lot of people do believe. And all the other flying saucer guys says, "Who the fuck?" You know, all the other guys like Stanton Friedman, these people—they all hate Cooper because he sort of comes in and he becomes a big star right away. And they, you know, there's a lot of competition in those kind of like. Uh, like I used to work for the Village Voice in New York. You know, I don't know if you know that paper. Well, years ago, years ago, I think not 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 the you know it's out of business now. But we used to always say that like, well, the smaller the turf, the harder they fight to protect it. You know? so, <laughs> which is like you know, so there's a lot of jealousy and kind of stuff like that. So like, everybody hates Cooper, and they're after him. And in fact, Cooper is not really um, he hasn't really gotten this thing together when he's doing the uh, the flying saucer stuff. And it's kind of, it's, uh, there's no doubt that he's just trying to make it. He's trying to get somewhere. I think that's his, that's before he really, uh, you know, understands like what he really cares about. 
because he drops it. He drops it. You know, he he comes up with this great idea, um, like, which I think is really one of his. I mean, if you look at him as a showman, if you want to think see him that way, it's a brilliant idea to uh, say that. Like, look, I used to believe this. Now I don't believe it. I realize it's not true. It's all bullshit. So that is a great move to, uh, you know, because it, it shows that you're complete. You know, I think it's really true. I mean, he, he used to believe this stuff and then he felt that it was, um, it was all, it was all a trick. It's just a kind of a misdirection thing that then he got into the secret society stuff and all that other stuff that he, because you're always looking for why, I mean, a, a guy like that, I mean, I think Bill Cooper is the kind of person he, he's, it's a, it's a really human trait to figure out, well, things are fucked up. Why are they fucked up? And, you know, you're trying to figure out like why things are a mess, you know, and why, why don't things work out? I mean, yeah. And Bill Cooper was, you know, he, he, you're looking for the evil in, in the system and some people don't believe in evil. So, uh, you know, they don't, that's not a problem for them, but for some people who do believe in evil, like myself, for instance, I think that, you know, trying to put your finger on what the evil what the evil component is. Is it the government? Is it the aliens from outer space? Is it these different things? Is it Donald Trump? You know, I mean, is it, what is it? You know, who, how do you, how do you categorize it? And that to me is like the thing that he really, that's the through story of Cooper. He's always looking for that reason why the world is not a wonderful place, which he wants it to be. He's an idealist. You know, he might've said a lot of bullshit. I mean, oh, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> untrue things you know? but, but I mean his, 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 his sensual search his main goal was an honest human response to a confused world and I respect him for that because that seems to be what you put on this planet to do to figure out like you know what's going on yeah you know, you know, at least try to his, his stuff it's like a lot of it is kind of reductionist in the sense that it's like um, taking things, you know, like social ills or what he perceives as social ills and blaming them on, you know, secret societies or something instead of like looking at the bigger pic, you know, instead of seeing maybe that it's, things are a little more complicated than that, than social engineering. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you know, he's not a dull guy. He was a deep thinker, you know, like and poetic at times. He also turned out to be right a lot of the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, so I, I mean, to me, he's an interesting, I mean, you know, I hate to say this, but the idea of, you know, you're supposed to, everybody's supposed to hate intellectuals because somehow they're like communists or something like that. I don't know what people think, but I mean, Bill Cooper is an intellectual. That's what he was. He was, he was an intellectual. He was somebody who was interested in the life of the mind he was interested in this kind of stuff. I mean, I don't know how, you know, the drinking thing and then the, then the, you know, the whatever demons that eventually got to him, you know, and just were made it difficult, but that's really his main goal. He, he's, he's an intellectual who's trying to figure stuff out. I mean, he may not be doing it in, in the way that uh, most people that go to Harvard do it, but you know, that's, that's, it's completely legitimate, you know? And I, I don't think that he, that he should be put down just because he only went to community college, you know? I mean, this is just, I mean, it's just stupid, you know? I mean, I don't understand. It's like, 
for instance, like most of the people, when I said this book was misunderstood, I mean, I live in Brooklyn, New York, you know, I'm, I'm a native New Yorker. I grew up in this city. I went to, you know, public schools. I have a certain kind of, my, my mother, my father was a New York city public school teacher. I have a certain orientation towards the way the public private sector battle that goes on um, in this country. That's always going to be there. And, you know, so I, I know people that most of the people I know might be called liberals, right? But uh, I don't agree with almost hardly anything they say these days because I feel that they're just like, you know, they don't have, they're not trying to think outside the box. They're just like, they learn certain stuff in college and they just keep repeating it to themselves. So when I said I was working on a book about a guy like Bill Cooper, who was, you know, most people don't want to, you know, I don't know. I never heard of him. Who is he? But I've written a lot of books. So like, um, and I said, well, he's, he's, he's this guy who's a radio show. And he said, he sounds like a right winger. I said, well, who cares? <laughs> I mean, you know, right wingers are people too. I mean, you know, like, I mean, I'm a journalist, man. I'm here to, you know, I'm not, I'm not, gonna, I'm not a polemicist. I'm not here to like, you know, not even care what half the people in the country do just because they vote for the Republican Party. I mean, you know, that's not my orientation, you know. So, and then a lot of people didn't read the book. You know, people that would always read my stuff, they just they. They just stayed away from it. They didn't want to have anything to do with it. In your estimation, is that a new thing or a kind of more pronounced thing these days? Just the idea that some idea or subject is so toxic that we're not going to touch it. Yeah, I think it, well, you never really can make a comment like that because you don't really understand, like, you know, back in World War One. The country was just as polarized as it, you know, after, before and after World War One. the country was as polarized as it is now over the very similar issues like immigration and stuff like that. And, um, you know, in 1924, they passed all these immigration laws that basically, you know, Trump had a wet dream. He would never come up with anything like that, you know? So, <laughs> I mean, these things are far more beyond building a stupid wall. I mean, you know, so this, or this is part of the country, you know, so... You know, history repeats itself a lot of the times. I guess my question was more like your, like in your career, have you are you experiencing in, in that my more career, now? In my or, career, oh yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I've been a journalist. I I published my first article in in any newspaper in 1970 or something like that. So I've been around this. I mean, I lived through the print generation. I mean, it was great. I mean, writing for magazines and writing books and stuff like that you know, before the internet, that was one whole other thing. Now, since the internet is invented, you know, everything is different. It, it really, it's like, almost like the, the ship left the port, <laughs> you know, and you were still on the land. You know? so, and you go, what the fuck is this? Excuse me. But I mean, like, uh, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it's a real thing. And I think that part, I, I, I think this is, we're in a period now, which is kind of weird, because the tech, the text, the human brain can't really keep up with the tech things. I mean, the tech is going faster than your brain's ability to like, you know, get used to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, and I think people are reacting in a kind of like, you know, black and white kind of binary way because they're just trying to keep up. And it's, it's we're in a, I would say 
in answer to your question, I would say that sophisticated thinking is really kind of like at a premium these days. I mean, you don't really get in-depth ideas and stuff like that. I mean, where like, you know, people are trying to go beyond just the, I mean, it, it sounds stupid to say that beyond the soundbite or something like that, because it's just like, but it's more deep than that. It's kind of like, you know, it's like this kind of sense that, you know, I got to say something and I got to say it really loud. And, 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 you know, if you're not really, if that's not the world that you grew up in and that's not how you formulated the way you look at the world, I mean, it's hard to adjust to that. I mean, I, I, feel, I find myself, you know, I'm kind of clueless. I mean, I've been doing this for 50 years and suddenly I don't know what's going on. You know, it's, uh, it's kind of a new experience. It's and it's not necessarily bad because it's always good to adjust to adjust to new circumstances. But um, you know, I, I think that Cooper kind of like uh, is a kind of prescient guy on that. You know, this kind of sense of uh, doing his radio show where, I mean, it's really a hippie. Right? You know, people don't really understand it. I think he was half a hippie, Bill Cooper. Yeah, he, he, you know, he didn't smoke pot. I think he did smoke pot, but, you know, <laughs> but he would never talk about it because it would make him look bad or something like that. But he has this real, um, the way his radio shows are constructed, which I think some of those radio shows are masterpieces. I mean, absolutely, he's not, he's, he's not on all the time, you know, because how can you be? But, uh, and also, he, those, if you look at that long list of, uh, I mean, you're familiar with that part with the complete Cooper where they list all the all the shows yeah. that he did? And that's all the work of Doyle Shamley. Doyle Shamley basically, I mean, people bitch about Doyle, but Doyle is the person who kept Bill Cooper's legacy alive. He's the one that did, went through all the trouble of getting those shows and putting and transferring them. And, you know, Cooper was not really the best housekeeper around, you know, so some of these tapes were... You know, were, he said they were encrusted with peanut butter and shit like that. I mean, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so you know, uh, he puts all that stuff up there, and then there were like, these long, there were these long periods where he doesn't do a show, or there's a lot of repeats or something like that. That was basically because Cooper was on a bender, you know. So, uh, you know, I'm, this is this is what this is what the source tells me. You know, I'm not, I'm not I wasn't there. I don't know for sure. And people that are going to get real. Because people write me all these letters and say, Bill Cooper never touched a drink in his life. I'm saying, you can listen to these shows. You can clearly plow. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I'll tell you that's bad, but I mean, that's, just, that's the truth, you know. I mean, anybody who knows what a drunken guy sounds like, you know, <laughs> knows that he was plowed. I mean, and it, doesn't, it didn't seem to affect his, his uh, performance. So who cares? You know, I, um, I mean, I remember I was listening to that, you know, I guess. I was 18 or 17, just the last, like last year of high school. And it was a big deal to like stay up till midnight and like have this like shortwave radio that I built. Cause I, you know, I, oh, I had, you built a shortwave radio. Well, That's I like took an FM great. radio and like followed some directions. Somebody told me to like make it pick up shortwave, but then like you couldn't tell what channel you were on. So you had to like slowly scan <laughs> l- l- looking out for it. And then like, you know, and then midnight, it was always very disappointing if the signal didn't come in or if it came in and it was a yeah. repeat or, you know. Yeah, but every, everybody says that, that part of that stuff is in the book because everybody is 
basically said what you just said. And it was kind of great when it came in. It was like a gift, right? You know, like here it was. It was it was going to work. You know, I, I get to hear Bill Cooper tonight. Um, and uh, I think I think that has a lot to do with what you're talking about. I mean, the thing is that like there was a value in the sense of like Cooper has, has this fantastic little. Um, you know, he goes on all these riffs, you know, and some are better than others. But the one about how he opens up his car and he used to love to tune his cone car up and make it run a little rich the way he like, and now he opens up his car and he can't even figure out what's underneath it. I mean, what's underneath the hood? I mean, that is really, you know, number one, one of the things that Bill Cooper is very poignant about is like the lack of the decline of the masculine, you know, dominance of the society which is definitely happening you know i mean you have to be you have to be you have to be blind not to see this i'm not saying it's good or bad but i mean you know there was a sense of like you know the man took care of his own car and he did this kind of thing and that kind of stuff but i grew up in that world you know if you didn't know how to fix a flat tire you know everybody laughed at you (laughs) and and now um you know you're supposed to be you know i said i hated doing it I hated doing it, but I would just change my own oil and do those the spark pose just to prove that I was a guy. You know, I would much rather go to the garage and have the other guy do it the way everybody would do it now. You know? right, right. So, um, you know, something mean like uh, it just and that was you know that was that feeling of that kind of world disappearing bothered him. You know, and uh, and and that's why I found to be he's really kind of prescient about he's ahead of the curve in a lot of the things that people are complaining about now, you know, and I, I think that that's probably one of his great values as, as a kind of American spokesman, which I think he definitely is. I mean, he's a, he's a, you know, I'm not, I'm not making a big case for him. Like, you know, he's not uh, Abraham Lincoln or something, like that, but you know, he's, a, he's, a, he's a, he's somebody who like, you know, was worth listening to because he was talking from the heart which you don't really get that much. No. You know, one thing struck me as you were talking about the kind of like journalism pre versus internet age and, you know, trying to be the loudest voice in the room. And like, really, like that, to my my mind, that's kind of the difference between Bill Cooper and Alex Jones. Um, The kind of thoughtfulness and the kind of, that Cooper had as opposed to the kind of like viral you know, internet age shtick of Alex Jones. Yeah, well, I think when you listen to Cooper, you're listening at, at his best. I'm not talking, you know, he had a lot of trashy stuff as well, you know, but I mean, at his best, I mean, like, for instance, with Cooper, you know, he's trying to make a living. He's on the radio. Um, do you really think that when he was on the, you know, I mean, everybody, this stuff, you know, I'm not making a case about his religious thing. But he was broadcasting on the, on the Christian, whatever the name of that 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 place was, the first radio show. Would have, would have, the reason why he was on there is because it had the biggest transmitter in the country. You know, it wasn't because he was a Christian. <laughs> he wanted people to hear his stuff. And if, but, you know, you couldn't be on that. You couldn't be on that with, unless you, you know, if Jesus Christ wasn't your personal savior, savior I mean, you're going to have a hard time, like, you know, uh, and being on that station. So, you know, I'm, I'm not saying he felt that way or didn't feel that way, but, you know, he has the certain things you have to say. But, um, 
the thing about Cooper, which is different between Alice Jones, Alice Jones is reading the script, you know, and he's looking for the most sensational possible thing um, that he thinks is going to work. And he has really no beliefs. I think he's just going to go with whatever works. Right. Cooper is a guy who's trying to figure out what he thinks. I mean, you can hear him. You can hear him trying to work towards a solution in a lot of these broadcasts when he's trying to figure this idea out or, you know, you know, you can hear him thinking all out, which I think is very, uh, you know, you never hear that now, you know, you don't hear Rush Limbaugh thinking aloud, like trying to work out this big problem, I mean, you know, or, uh, you know, any of these guys, the MSNBC, I mean, it's, you know, and people where I live, they all listen to MSNBC and they watch MSNBC all the time. And I say, well, what do I watch this shit for? This, this is just trash. You know, this is trash. And they said, like, well, you know, what are you talking about? You want to watch Fox News? I said, I can't see the differences in the two. I mean, I'm, I'm a journalist. I'm not interested in propaganda. You know, if I want to watch propaganda, I can watch, uh, I can tune into some Russian propaganda. It's probably better than this as propaganda. <laughs> you know, I can read tasks, you know. Or the Chinese. I mean, I'm not interested in propaganda. I don't care about the, the future of the Democratic Party or the future of the Republican Party. I'm just hoping that the country is able to survive in a way that is more equitable for everybody, you know? So, uh, and, and, and it, it just the Republic is able to survive, you know? And it seems a little, it's a little dense. It's a little touchy right now. Just <laughs> ask me, you know? For a lot of reasons, you know, ones that you know, Bill Cooper would agree with and not agree with. Like, I, I, cr I cracked open Behold a Pale Horse today, and he's reading about, like, Moore and, you know, all these, like, you know, Stan and Friedman and stuff all being CIA <laughs> well. agents and things. It seemed to me like he kind of burnt out, burnt through the UFO community and kind of decided to pivot the, the Patriot movement, you know. Yeah, well, that's what the UFO people say. They say that, like you know, he was—he had no future in this in this in the UFO market, so he just went with this other thing that he thought was going to work for him. But um, you know, because he wanted to be on the radio, you know. But uh, I don't know, you know. I, I do I think that Stanton Friedman was a CIA agent? I, I think that I have to see the papers to believe that, you know. I mean, how could they all be CIA agents? I mean, you know, these are basically, you know, you ever meet any UFO people? Yeah, they're not they're not exactly the kind of people that like um you know, they're hobbyists in a lot of ways, you know. I mean, uh, uh you know, and a lot of them are really smart and have a lot of things interesting things to say, but I mean, uh do you particularly believe that Bob Lazar uh, was 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 sitting there watching them re re uh what's the name of that what's that word when they build it backwards? Oh uh, reverse, reverse engineer. engineer. Yeah. Well do you think that I mean would you be convinced that Bob Lazar was witness to the reverse engineering of alien crafts at, at Area 51? I mean, is is this something that, you know, you can go to the bank with? Or, you know, I mean, uh, it's possible, I suppose. But, I mean, I don't know. You know, I, I just feel that, um, and, you know, then so Cooper's saying that Bob Lazar is a CIA agent. I mean, the guy is a... He was a fiend for race cars. That's what he was. <laughs> you know? So I don't know, you know, and I think that, I mean, Cooper was the thing about him, which is one of the things that I'd like to mention, um, which is a big deal in the book is the idea of like white people know Bill Cooper basically from the radio show. 
That's what they know him from. That's, and black people who make up a big portion of his audience, which I can tell you, because that's the people who are buying this book. You know, the people like I have an Instagram account. Most of my, most of my followers are, are hip hop people. <laughs> You know, those are the the people that are really interested in Bill. A lot of people, a lot of those people are the ones that are interested in Bill Cooper because they read Behold the Pale Horse. And, you know, as I try to make a point in the book, Behold the Pale Horse was a, and still is, you know, a 30-year-old book. It still is one of the most read books in the American prison system. And, And one of the, one of the, one of the reasons for that is, and, you know, there's a million reasons, but, um, one of the reasons was that Cooper gets that. Remember when Alex Jones was calling one of his sites a prison planet, or maybe he still does. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think st- he still does. Yeah, he still does. So, like, I mean, the idea of the Earth as a prison mm-hmm. in the large scope of the cosmos, you know, that like, and John Lear, you know, he's the one that says that you know the cosmos is filled with all kinds of people, all kinds of entities, you know, and Earth and planets like Earth. Are, um, are are prison planets for people that have fallen off the path. It's kind of a half a reincarnation idea, I think. You know, people that have fallen off the path, and they they're gonna you're gonna serve this many times, uh, this many lifetimes on Earth because you did some you did some bad stuff in your in your previous lives. Um, and I think that when you talk about, and I think Cooper had he probably didn't really buy into all that, but the idea that he was trapped in the, on, on Earth and trapped in a bad situation where he didn't have enough control over his future and his life, which is kind of like what his story is about, I think. You know, it's about not being able to control your existence. And um, so I think if you happen to be in prison in like Attica or something like that, you, you, you understand that. You know, you get it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're... And... and um, so, I mean, if you walk down 125th Street in New York, which is the main street of Harlem, uh, they have all those booksellers on the on the street, you know, with the tables and everything. Yeah, they're selling those kind of books. The Behold the Pale Horse is the big best. It's still one of the main bestsellers on 125th Street. Still, everybody knows about it. Oh yeah, Bill Cooper. You're doing a book about Bill Cooper? You know, like, I mean, I didn't have to tell these people who he was. They already knew. Right. So, uh, you know, it's just sort of like, so that's kind of, so I ask you a question. How does a big fat guy who lives on a mountaintop in Arizona become incredibly popular on 125th Street in Harlem? How does that work? (laughs) That's that's (laughs) a mystery. That's the mystery. Well, that's a mystery, you know? Rider, third eye of the tiger. See the light and enlightenment or get led to the fire. So let's ride, ride, ride. Come meet the Grim Reaper's death supplier, the pale horse rider. Spit that Frankenstein's monster. Born in a nightmare while writing this rhyme. Swinging my pen like a samurai. William Cooper, our time. Magnetic Elohim vision. Trapped in a foul system, want to assassinate my rhythm. Political pyramid schemes to the great geezer. Mostly I already sold your soda Google for peanuts. One fluid with a cuckoo to flow dilate pupils. 
Beware the pale horse, beware false flag attacks, perception twisting facts. Is it still fake news and fingerprints trace back? Your big brother recording every bar that's birth. Illuminati got the eyes of Mark Jacobson's words. The pale horse, the roadmap to spiritual growth. Achieve a higher consciousness, inhaling purple smoke. Now let's ride. To the hour of the time. I'm your host, William Cooper. Alex Jones is a miserable, rotten, little, stinking, cowardly, bold-faced liar. <laughs> Boy, you know, all, all of these people ought to know better than to mess with me, because I don't take any crap from anybody. And if I'm not afraid of the whole machinations of the entire government Gestapo, what in the hell makes Alex Jones think that I would ever be afraid of his cowardly little rotten butt? Good evening. You're on the air. Yeah, Bill. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to let you know, I verify what you said about that Alex Jones interview. They had it archived on the Internet at one time, and I did hear that interview, and there was nothing wrong with what you did. And I wasn't thrown off the air, was I? Not a bit. No. And that's the only interview I ever did with Alex Jones. As soon as I found out what he was doing...